0: Hello, good evening, and welcome to The Game is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me tonight are Ricky and Gareth. Hello, gentlemen. Evening, Evening, Steph. Steph. What a good evening it was as well. And uh, yes, chaps, it's going to be us tonight because Milo's off forest bathing in deepest Europe right now with his favourite fedora and a constant supply of ice-cold pilsner. So, dear listener, as I just said, it is going to be the three of us who will be looking back at Tottenham's biggest Opening day win in the Premier League and indeed, I think, uh, for, for much longer than that. I uh, don't have the statistics at hand if someone does blurt them out. But if not,
1: Garrowth. he has. Gareth. <laughs> it's, it's the opening day of the 84-85 season when we won 4-1 at Everton with a Clive Allen Clive Allen Hattrick.
0: Yeah. Hattrick. You are right. There we are. There we are. A 4-1 victory and a 4-1 victory yesterday over Southampton. And their manager, Raf Hassensutel, uh, who was, because he was striding the touchline in that like tie and shirt and slacks, waistcoats, Ooh. and the sockless trainers. He was cutting quite a figure, wasn't he? It was quite bizarre, actually, I thought.
2: Well, <laughs> I thought all he, all he was missing was a snooker queue, I think, and he was going to go down the old <laughs> Tottenham snooker halls afterwards.
0: <laughs> Ooh, I think he would have been wrapping it around a few of his defenders' heads <laughs> yeah. by the 90th minute, to be fair. But anyway, so we're going to be, that's the three of us looking at that. We are also going to take a quick look back at the week that was. Transfer waffle and the first three episodes of All or Nothing, as the game is about glory, continues its generous and neighbourly support of the North London Interlopers. Uh, but let's start, chaps, uh, by looking at the week that was, and uh, I'm going—I'm just going to rattle through these really quickly. Um, Joe Rodon has joined League One side Wren on loan. For the twenty twenty two, twenty three season with an option to make the move permanent. I think we would all agree it's a good move for the player, right? I mean we've talked about good this Good for enough, him, but definitely.
2: I think Rens yeah, are a good team. Yeah, yeah. Very Quite good. But no beef with Rens, let, let you know, regardless of last year's altercation with them. Oh, that's
0: right. But, that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so all all, all friendly now. Yeah. Um Kayonitete has joined Cardiff City in a permanent deal worth 500,000 quid plus add-ons. Kion joined us from Notts County in the summer of 2019 for a reported 250,000 quid. Uh, Last season, he had loan spells at Northampton and Cheltenham, and with Parrot and Scarlett ahead of him in the pecking order, it certainly did seem a tall order for Kion to break through at Spurs. Cardiff does seem like a great move for all parties so good luck to Kion. Uh, Let's move to Oliver Skip who sadly as we know has had another injury. Uh, It's a foot injury that appears to be worse than originally thought. Um, He was uh, reportedly caught strongly by the studs of an unnamed player in training a couple of weeks ago. They both jumped for the same ball and the other player's studs cut the back of his ankle as they landed, which just seems like typical Oliver Skip injury luck. Um, the injury required stitches and some reports have said that it was pretty gruesome with other players averting their gaze. That's quite an image, isn't it, of some of our some of our players just sort of, oh, I
2: can't look. Probably, anyway. um, Probably not Romero though. You probably had a good old look at it. So. I would think so. I
0: wouldn't think so. Yeah, I, we could probably all take a as to whose boot came down on whose. But anyway, um, if there is, no, and, and I'm not suggesting it was Christian, by the way. I'm just saying no. there are a few. Um, if there's no damage other than the wound, hopefully we should see him before the end of the month. But those things can be tricky. So, yes, let's hope. And, yeah, look, all or nothing. Yeah, we finally got the first three episodes. And it's, you know, I'm going to try and keep myself short here. It's pretty clear that the story of their season is going to be spun around Legohead himself, Mikel Arteta and his idiosyncratic overthinking. I mean, you know, among some of the bonkers moments thus far, replacing some crappy speakers around the pitch uh, training and playing, you'll never walk alone to replicate the Anfield atmosphere, which uh, was bizarre because I mean, I, I understand the idea, but there's another way of applying that. Surely it ended up really looking half bait, the holding of hands and a visu- visualization circle and a series of Mikel's Tony Hart specials and those bizarre. Bizarre drawings that he that he does in the dressing room, and you know these odd speeches. And then I, I have to say, as a side, there was this really odd and crap fantasy style painting of a snarling wolf pack behind him <laughs> during one of his speeches, which is bizarre. Um, you know, I, I th- he's definitely a, a coach. I mean, there's no doubt he's a good coach, but he does seem to be a little bit bonkers, uh, and 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 a little bit sort of trying too hard. Maybe I don't know, but that seems to be the narrative that's set. I will say, and for the fairness of balance, we should mention a couple of the players. I thought came came across quite nicely, actually. I mean, I thought that you know Ramsdale seemed like a good bloke, and Ramsdale's dad was a good laugh, and Saka's. All right, you know he's a nice bloke, and special mention for Kieran Tierney who talks about depression in this episode in, in episode three, and he's very forthright about it. So you know, credit to him for being courageous. um And for all that, I had to laugh. I don't know if you, any of you caught this, but Smith Rowe's got this Allie G massive urban accent <laughs> when he's when he's with his teammates, and then when he's with the adults, so to speak, he's sort of a little calmer and quieter. um But it is all feeling a little bit like Brent Place, isn't it? It's it's really setting up like that. It's a bit David Brent, right? Any yeah, athletes?
2: I mean, that, that's I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Steph. That's how I feel with it. I mean, I think as a person, Arteta does seem all right, but we're talking about him as a football manager. And I just think, I mean, I think he is a weak link for them, which is obviously a completely opposite view to most gooners that I know who seem to think that he's going to be taking them places. But, and the only, I mean, the conclusion I draw is, I just think, I just, I just don't think he's the number one. I think he's, it, it shows that he's learned a lot from it. I think it's, In one of the newspaper articles, it said, Oh, it's about how young they are and how young he is. And it shows him giving them pep talks and that. And I thought pep talk was a funny phrase to use because it seems like he hasn't (laughs) learned a lot of it from Pep. But I think, I think the difference with Pep is he's just a bit like a crazy box of frogs as well. So he's sort of, he can be more convincing when I just think, I think it just so much of what he does seems to be learned out of the Brent school of learned management techniques and um, motivation speeches and that kind of thing. And the last thing you need is, Players looking wide eyed at each other, or maybe sniggering behind your back when you come out with some of this stuff. Because yes. he's certainly yes. done quite a lot of this kind of thing. And I just don't think. And the problem with it is a bit like you touched on it. I just it doesn't it doesn't feel to me that he's just not being himself because of that. You know what I mean? It's he's like, if you think of like what right. Klopp's like or what Poch is like, the one thing they are. I think the one thing you've got to be if you're a manager is be yourself because people just. I think it just breaks down a bit if if you're not. And I think. Yeah. Maybe not everyone's a leader, not everyone can do that. And I think he might be better as a nicer bloke, being a number two or someone a bit more just running, you know. That, that. I mean, he might, he's young as, well, as the narrative goes. So maybe he'll, he'll, yeah, he'll, you I mean, know, he'll get better. Who knows?
0: Interestingly enough, and again, probably observing rather more than I think it's interesting to observe this show uh, from across the divide. I really do. We suffered it with, with mm. Jose, we went through yeah. it. So, so why not? I did notice that Adu was talking about, um, Arteta's relationship with his players, and and was sort of alluding to the fact that, like, you know, great coach, but maybe doesn't mm. quite know how to connect. And it's nice That's to right. see him connecting. There was this one incident, so there's there is there is a lot there is a lot to see. And uh, and by the way, I I, I will say this out. Loud. I mean, the footage from them beating us, you know, at the Emirates, and but you know, the beginning of the end of Nuno. My word, could they have fitted anyone else into that group photo? I mean, it was like they were celebrating winning the Champions League. It was inc- it was in it was sort of cringeworthy. And then that I I don't know if it's just me and I like status quo, by the way. I am yeah, a fan. But that's all a bit cringeworthy as well. It's like Yeah. Know. I'm surprised anyway. I was,
2: I'm surprised that that picture hasn't been memed up by now. It was like um yeah. see you yeah. in May written on it kind of thing. Because they were yeah. so overjoyed and so and yeah. I mean it's easy to say that in hindsight because we all know what the ending is. So, um, you know. But, yeah, no, yeah. I
0: agree, and and I think on a final note, and we won't probably go into this much detail again. Uh, I think Amazon have learned a lot in terms of editing and storylines because so so help me, they've actually made it quite palatable viewing once you can yeah. get over the fact you're watching them, and uh, that's a skill set for any for yeah. any editorial to be able to do that in a sport and uh, that is so passionate, and especially speaking as we are as diehards from across the road, to be able to watch it and not, you know, want to be vomiting every five minutes is, is probably a victory in and of itself. Yeah. So, yes, it's intriguing. It is intriguing, but ultimately, I can't wait to see how it ends for them. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> transfer rumours. Uh, let's rattle through those quickly before we get to the main event. Uh, Destiny Udoji, I um, hope I'm pronouncing that properly. Uh, he is pretty much... Going to be signing, it appears. Uh, negotiations with Udinese to sign this highly rated left-back on a permanent deal with a loan back for the season seem to be virtually completed. The fees are reported to be in the region of £20 million. Um Destiny joined Udinese from Hellas Verona a year ago and made 35 appearances in Serie A last season, scoring five goals. So further justification of the uh, the keen eye of Paratici there, I believe. Uh, we've got Sergio Reggion who is... Uh, it's you know The Guardian are reporting that Brighton failed in a bid for Reggie to replace Chelsea-bound Mark Cuccarella. I, I don't know whether that's because Brighton failed to meet our valuation or Reggie didn't fancy life on the South Coast. But I've got to say, I think we would all agree that would be a good move for all parties. And let's hope it can happen. It needs to get down to
2: Brighton. It's great. Him and his lovely I, lady, would love it down there. They're kind I, of they're a, Instagram celebrities, aren't
0: they? <laughs> I mean. He's a. Br- I agree, he's a Brighton sort of guy, yeah. Isn't I he I a, so. In the sense of like, a, like a bit of nightlife and so on yeah. and so forth, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that they have some of that fancy ham down there. Am I correct? Anyway, anyway, the Celso uh, Marker have reported that Villarreal have submitted a loan plus 15 million euro option to buy deal for Giovanni. Look. I think it just needs to end. Just do it. I mean, this is definitely one where the body needs to leave. We need to be shot of it.
2: Yeah? Well, in the grand schemes of how he played last year, you'd think €15 million as an option is quite cheap. I mean, the other thing you'd think is they've got quite a lot of good players, Villarreal. So I don't know if we don't fancy any of them. I'm not sure. Because obviously there's Paul Torres is one. So it suggests to me that we don't actually fancy power Torres because I'm sure we could have integrated La Celso swapping places as part of the deal. So mm. it would suggest to me that the Torres isn't really of interest to us. I mean, we've got a Long Lane now, so maybe not. We'll wait for someone even better than Torres next year because I've got my question oh. asked about Torres. So, you know. I think we, I yeah.
0: think we both do. And I think, I, I think we're waiting for one of the, the yeah. sort of the, the aggressive types to, to become free. Um, so, wow. We rattled through all that rather quickly, didn't we? Uh, and here we are. We're here at the main event. I mean, you know, first of all, gents, let's speak about the fact that our game against Southampton was a Saturday three PM kickoff. Um I can only imagine how much excitement. A punch in the air,
2: Gareth. Punch in the air. Air punching, it. Gareth. We're
0: all t- we're all thinking of you, Gareth, when, when when this was when this came to be and when it didn't get fudged around by TV. We all thought of you because this has been something that you've absolutely ached for for a long time I know and along with many other supporters but I know you both went yesterday but let's kick it off with you Gareth just a very simple I mean just 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 talk about The build-up to the game. Just going to the game, waking up in the morning, realising it's a 3pm kick-off. Just give us your routines. Go on, really quickly.
1: Uh, Well, there there was no routine at all for me yesterday because uh, I woke up as my ship that I'd been on for the last week was docking at Southampton, ironically, of all places. Uh, So it wasn't the usual start to a 3 o'clock Saturday game. What? What? <laughs> Hold are Docking a
0: ship at Southampton. What are you
2: talking yeah, about? Yeah, I, I, I was. He's, myself, a, he's a cruise know, ship I, I, captain, I, I, isn't he? He's a cruise ship captain in, during the week. Oh, of course.
1: What you don't know? Yeah, no. I'd been off on my on my, on my holiday, which was a, a cruise oh. that started and finished in, in oh. Southampton. Um, oh. And yeah, we docked eight o'clock. So it was a real it was a real godsend that it was a three o'clock and not a twelve thirty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, I really would have been in trouble. So you actually um,
0: went, so so you travelled to our first 3pm home game of the season against Southampton as if a Saints supporter. You made the journey that all the Saints supporters did. Oh, if only we
2: was away at St Mary's. Oh no, that would have just been the perfect link up.
1: Could have Your been, wife would have it, gone, yeah. hold up, hold up. How come we're back? <laughs> she would, she, she, she would, she would have smelt a rat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, um, um, so yeah, I was travelling up the M3, albeit probably a few hours before the before the rest of the Southampton supporters coaches were travelling up to to London. Um, so slightly different routines, but I, I genuinely I can't remember what it was like to wake up and think I'm going to a football match at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon because the last one was Burnley in December. 2019 and what a different world we've lived in back then so yeah it was good it good. was yeah. yeah it was it, it was a good experience we've got another one coming up not the next one wolves that's the 12:30. but Fulham on the third of september is a three o'clock saturday oh, and then I, I think tv is putting them all on at half five after that for the foreseeable yeah. so yeah, certainly yeah. make the most yeah. of yesterday's wonderful experience and um yeah and ricky your journey up uh your your, well, your 3 I, I p.m up the... experience
2: well, I come up from the south coast as well, and what I hadn't quite realised is when I got on the train, or I was lucky to get on the train, was that it was Brighton Pride yesterday, and literally everywhere, <laughs> all on the south coast, and even when I was speaking to people at the lane, at London Bridge at Victoria, it was swamped with thousands and thousands of people, so I think like 250,000 people go, and wow. I'm not sure if the trains had kind of predicted how many people were like, and I was really lucky to get on, but luckily they got off to change train- trains only a couple of stops after I got on, so... I managed to get a seat because when you go to football you like to get a seat don't you you like to have a bit of kind of you know I don't want to yeah. you know during the week you stand up all day on a train or on the tube or something so you don't yeah. want it at the weekend but anyway um, yeah but what is there not to like about it with a traditional 3pm and the sun was out you know the Spurs fans spilling out of every watering hole along the high road there does it and- Does it
0: feel can I ask you does it feel what it as it came across to, to me uh, on the television it came across as though there was a real the, a feeling of this is our house and This is our fortress, and it feels like the lane is really – the new lane is really becoming our – like a a citadel, if you will. Uh, Did it have that feeling before kickoff? Like everyone – was everyone really pumped? I think everyone was enjoying –
2: yeah, buoyant, definitely. I think everyone loved the sun, sunshine, and they loved being back for a home game. Because even when I got I mean, I did the walk up the high road yesterday, and I just love being back on the high road, you know what I mean? It's just so yeah. nice to be around that kind of area. Okay. And also, the thing not to forget, because I think these things get normalized, is like... um the stadium is first class. When you go back there, it really is a fantastic place to watch football, to hang around beforehand. I mean, we're we're well well served outside the stadium as well with the corner pin and the olive branch and the beehive and all those pubs. But um, it's just as easy to go to the stadium as well. I think there's even, I think I read a thing today, I think there's even new food offerings and stuff like that now as well. But um, yeah, that stadium is such a great stadium. It's
0: it's a very interesting point. This was the first season we've gone back to it like yeah, it's the first exactly, yeah. it's first season we've returned so that's a very very good point yeah and yeah and of course you know the excitement i mean i i was we were talking a little bit about this off pod um you know the team came out to enter sandman which is just i thought epic uh what an epic n- nod to uh to a fantastic band that i, I i'm a little bit uh, a little bit biased towards but so <laughs> um so that was i mean that was exciting to hear about and then of course you know we just should get into this game i mean let's just overview it first guys how did we play how did you feel we played overall
1: I felt it was uh, just felt like a continuation of the fantastic form that we found ourselves in for most of the spring and the back end of last season, actually. Um, I, it was noticeable that all of the starting 11 were players who had played last season. In fact, there was only one change from the last three games of last season, which was mm. Romero coming back in for for Sanchez Romero, having been injured for the last three games of, of last season. So, it it felt very familiar watching them. I think what the added value though was just looking at the players on the bench. Now I know, I know what four of them did come off and new signings did come off, but they didn't come on out of necessity. But what was comforting was, and we you know, we weren't behind for very long, was knowing that we had such quality on the bench that we could call on should we need them as well. And I think that was that was. The difference between last season and this year, but so the best thing was it was just a continuation of the way that we were playing.
2: Mm. And and I kind of I see no reason why that wouldn't be because I think there was a bit of online hoo ha as there will always be saying, "Oh, we've got these new players and none of them are starting." But I mean, they've all got they've all got reasons why Conte's thinking I mean Basuma missed a bit of COVID time didn't he so he didn't need and obviously he's not going to start Perisic still doing the injury kind of rehab build up getting legs into him and I mean Spence he says too he's, he's maybe young at the moment he's got a lot to learn Richardson suspended and I think the only other thing that might have been a doubt was left centre back and because gentle Ben had that kind of injury problem that's gently been nursed back to goodness so um he could start and Longley just takes his place on the bet and as you say we're not going to argue about Romero starting over Sanchez and you roll that all into it's not like we came off the back of anything bad last year or we've got a new manager or anything, I mean Our end of season form last year was terrific. So, and I think Conte said that. I think you know these players are just well ingrained now, and I trust them. And when you looked at us at the back of end of last season, most of them are the ones that are playing. So be it. I mean, you know, all those other ones can be first team players, but and that's what we need just a bigger group of first team players. I think, and we and we've got that. I think.
0: Yeah, one of the things that really, really screamed out at me yesterday from the get go was our sheer physical power and fitness i just felt that we, well, we've had 10 months nearly of antonio conti now something along those lines Something like that, yeah. um and, uh, you know i just felt we looked even when we went the goal behind i was never in any doubt that we were going to win yesterday's football match and it was as much about the fact we just looked hungrier and fitter and able to execute and and, and satiate that hunger with with sheer work and power, did it come across that way in the stadium? It looked like Southampton just sort of wilted, you know? They just sort of, like, got ground down. And and I think we're going to do that to a lot of teams this season.
2: Oh, I think... I mean, the biggest compliment I can pay them, especially sort of being the first game of the season, is that although Southampton scored, it didn't really bother me too much. I thought it looks like, you know, fair enough, it was a good goal. Uh, but it never looked like... I think everyone played well. I think some players we know can play better than they played yesterday. But they're all like minimum seven out of tens kind of thing but um i think it's just showing that because they're the ones that played last year i think it just shows that they're all they're all 100 percent planned to like a, a plan and and a system now and that foundation has definitely been poured like over those last few months and that's set rock hard now so we've got a real good platform but and it's all now just about um sort of just layering on more detail more nuance And sort of certain flourishes in the game where you just think, Oh, that's a little bit different, a little bit extra, but the the kind of nuts and bolts of it are solid. And that's the thing people have to realize with the new players as well is this is all just, uh, it's all just a contact. It's a contact academy, basically, isn't it? And those people come in and they're maybe a little bit behind and they'll like catch up. I mean, someone like Perisic is probably going to be quicker because he's more experienced and knows the drills and those kind of things. So, um, yeah, but strength wise. Um, we definitely agree with you, step. It looks like, I think we're going to steamroll some teams this year, basically. Unbelievable. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If I think back to the start of the Conte era, you you remember it felt like he had to pick sometimes half an yeah. hour periods or 45 minute periods when we could really go at it and the, and the other rest of the game, we were going to be very, very mm. passive because physically the players just couldn't cope with the way that he wanted them to play. So that, suddenly feels that, like that was something that happened years ago now. Um, yeah, it, it feels like they really understand the automations that are needed yeah. of them and they're almost starting to happen second nature. It felt like we had several gears that we could have gone up to had we needed to actually, um, and, and almost going for one up, I felt that we probably declared.
2: Yeah. I think the important yeah. thing is, I mean, if we have, if we have some kind of base level, and like you're saying, we could have gone up a few more gears. I think what could be handy at some points is that we will be able to coast through some games just comfortably. And sometimes yeah. that saves a bit in the legs and things yeah. like that. You know what I mean? Or making the subs, yeah. like we say. Of course,
0: of course, having said that, I do remember at one point uh Decky absolutely charging towards the keeper in like the, but right before he got subbed. I mean he's just like absolute going like like he was the first minute so yes but generally speaking I think you're right Gareth I think we did declare. By the way if any of you noticed know listening there was a slight gap after Gareth said declare I had to wrap my head around the fact he was talking about surrender. Uh I thought he was actually going to make some massive proclamation, a declaration if you will or a decillation. We're here. Let's talk about Decky. Come on. Yeah. Let's talk about him because he was Whoa. one of one of a I thought several standout players yesterday, but he was the pick of the bunch, wasn't he? I mean so
1: they, yeah, you wouldn't have seen was. it at the state step but on Match of the Day they did a focus on him and they I did on see some it. of the touches. No. Oh, see it? Yeah. No, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I've I have i i I I, I, stead- I watched watch Match of the Day from start to finish, my friend. Yes. Good, then, okay. I, so
1: you so you'll be you'll be familiar with the with the feature that they did on him and the focus yeah. and the analysis they did of him and and some of his touches and um you know I, I think his first touch is is really, really clever and they made the point, I can't remember if it was Shearer or Wright, just made the point that at the age of 22 that he is, yeah. he's, he's, he's so mature. He's got such a, um, got he such plays a, like a, a great football brain. Yeah. Yeah, he, he does that's, like, that's like a 27, fair, yeah.
0: 28 year old. I mean, it was unbelievable. He had that one move in the second half where he was cutting inside, nothing going and he just, just turned around and went back across himself to the right and then he's just flicked that lovely ball inside all within the space of the penalty box and I'm left looking at him from yesterday's performance wondering how do you mark this guy ricky how mm. how is anyone going to how is anyone going to stop him
2: oh, it was a real mic drop performance from him yesterday he was just <laughs> getting better and better and he's just uh, he's just got such great game intelligence. And I think what yes. we're going to need to do is not compare too many people to, for, to him, because I think yes. he's going to end up as an outlier at that age. And I'd like to see it. I think the, the king of game intelligence has always been messy. He's, he's such a, he's always been such a great decision maker, whether to pass <laughs> yeah. it to a teammate or score. I mean-
0: Having having said we shouldn't <laughs> compare him, you just but you just put Lionel Messi's name next to his in a sentence. Yeah, I love it yeah, because what, <laughs> I gonna, what, what I was
2: going to what I was going to say was I'd like to see what Messi was like when he was twenty one and twenty two. Mm. Whether he was as advanced as Deke, I'm not saying Deke can go on to be because Messi's goal goal scoring feats are just absolutely unbelievable. But he's. He just knows when to pass it, when not to pass, when to hold it, which is an important thing sometimes. Yes. He knows when to not, not move it on. And the other thing I'm quite liking, he's got that trademark curler into the far corner. He's just oh, got that. Oh, I know. That, and that, he's got and, that unlock. lock. He just can't miss, basically. Well, he
0: just knows how to measure a pass across yeah. a, yeah. a shot. to never yeah. – yeah. it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Every – I mean, yeah, well, I mean, of course, there was that wicked ball to the back post. Yeah. Um, for Cester in and score the equaliser, yeah. another player that we'll talk about in a minute. He just seems to have an incredible touch. I mean, and I just I think I, I beggars belief that nobody else saw it.
2: Yeah, no, no. This, Juventus must be fuming, but um, <laughs> um, but whenever he's in, if he's in the penalty area down that right hand channel, if you let him get it on his left foot, it can be going in that far corner any time if he's got the space. And if he's a bit further out, his crosses are all just that. Perfect height, where you're just above the defenders, but just yeah. you know, either sort of in the middle of the goal, the back post, and that he's yeah. just—he's going to rack up the numbers, I think. And I did actually have a cheeky look to see how old he was because I was wondering if I think he's about two, three months. Too, <laughs> he's two, three months. He's two, three months too young to be the young player of the year. I think. I don't oh, think he can be in okay. it this year because I, I was going to empty the old betting account onto him straight away. I think because yeah. I think he would just walk that. He might. He I- might win the. Adult, the grown-up one, or what they call yeah. it, the, the main event. But um, yeah, he is yeah. he is absolutely mind-blowing. But, yeah. I mean, he
0: enjoyed a lot of space yesterday uh, against uh, a, a pretty porous Southampton team. In the end, and we'll discuss the possible reasons why that was uh, a little little later here. Um, I do think having gone to Ces, uh we should talk about Ces. Uh I, I thought Sess probably had his strongest performance for us yet, um, and he's really starting to look. Like the player that everyone has been telling me he's going to be and that which I didn't think, frankly, he had the mental um, capacity to to embrace. But he sure seemed to embrace it yesterday. I mean, that was an exceptionally powerful run for the equaliser. And, you know, Conti was absolutely delighted with that. Uh, Curiously, Cesc said that he was getting a bollocking for not having made a similar run um, a a few moments before from Conti but chaps uh, in the stadium your view of Ryan Sessegnon's uh, performance yesterday
1: well the, the word i kept using to describe his performance during the game yesterday was assertive I think that's something that's been lacking from his game. And th- ironically, he was up against Carl Walker Peters, who that was perhaps my one criticism of him when he did occasionally get the chance to play for us, is that he didn't. He seemed to lack that assertiveness, that real uh, yeah. feeling that he really belonged there and he should be there. And I don't want to say that's the first time I saw it from 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 Cess, but it was a real marked difference from the sort of persona that he's had on the field, where he's felt like you know everyone's younger brother that just come in to make up the numbers and we always knew he had the ability and we'd, we'd seen it from him before, you know what he'd done at Fulham that he's got a high ceiling but yesterday was the point where you looked at him and you think he looks like he really belongs on this pitch at the moment and whether that's because he knows he's got an incredible international player um yapping at his heels on the bench who will come on and take his shirt um at the first opportunity to do so or not but that was um that but that was for me a really really good sign, and it's a really good indication of where he might go this this season actually. And I think the goal was a really good representation of that. It was a really really assertive um, run Mm. to the ball and a really powerful header as well.
2: I think that's the nicest possible thing I'd say about him yesterday is he looked like a Premier League player yesterday. I meant to just cover some of the things uh, uh, Gareth said really. He's kind of lost that timidness. He didn't look timid. He looks, um, I think by all reports, he's done a lot of strength training during the summer, hasn't he? I was going to say, yeah, you
0: really saw that, didn't
2: you? And I think that's Probably direction from the club. I mean, if they've yes. done that right, then not only does it become more powerful, it gives his it will give his body more protection from I think they're worried about the continuous injuries he got. So to play in the kind of regime that Conte wants you to, uh they can't have him breaking down all the time from that kind of thing. I agree with Gab, I think the goal helped yesterday. That goal helped his confidence.
0: Conti's made reference to what you were just talking about with regards to when he came into the club. You know the sort that where where Sessignon was, um, both physically and mentally. And he was almost suggesting, actually, that it was as much a mental situation as physical, which I completely believe it was. And you feel that Conti decided, okay, I'm going to I'm going to make this player what he can be. And I mean, what could be more um, confidence giving for anyone than having Antonio Conti say, you know. I'm behind you and I'm going to yeah. turn you into a star. And that he did. By the way, anyone uh, who continues to harp on about Kyle, Pe- Kyle Walker Peters and we should have never let him go and so on and so forth. That is a typical Kyle Walker Peters not spotting the run on his blindside concession. I was, I mean, I've seen, I, I saw goals scored on him uh, when he was playing for us like that. So, yeah. you know, it was just very typical. I, I actually thought, just to talk about him for a second, he showed exactly why he's not playing for us anymore. And uh, uh, look, good luck to Southampton if they can get fifty million quid for him. I mean, it seems to be silly season, but he is really? not worth it. But anyway, we've, we're agreed. Ryan Sessignon, excellent performance, um, and he was—he uh, became, uh, I believe, uh, the hundred and fifty-eighth scorer, including our good friend OG uh, sorry excluding our good friend OG <laughs> he's not involved in these totals um so the 158th Tottenham Hotspur scorer in the Premier League era uh like us I'm sure you're now all mentally totting up the other 157 obviously Harry's going to be top of the list there's got to be some obscure names out there I mean I'm s- racking my brain I- hang on we've got the perfect person to tell us who the most obscure Premier League era Tottenham Hotspur scorer is Gareth the floor is yours
1: thank you well yeah a few came to mind um, so I'm thinking the criteria for this is Probably going to be academy players who came in and played maybe up to half a dozen games and then happened to score a goal, and then you never heard of them again. So, Paul McVeigh scored on the final day of the '97 season against Coventry and then went on to have quite a good Football League <laughs> career at, at Norwich. Hang, and, hang on, hang um, on, hang on,
0: hang on. Everyone take a deep breath. Just imagine that. 1997. Think about Tottenham Hotspur in 1997 <laughs> and Paul McVeigh heroically scoring for the Lily Whites. It's 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 an odd picture, isn't it? I mean, what those were not good days, really, were they?
1: No, we managed to... We um we we kept Coventry City up that afternoon by lying down for them and letting them win two I one. Despite I was Paul there. Efforts. I was yeah. there. I was at the game. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. but so, so a lot of these players scored their first ever Premier League goal. And you could imagine, and you're all thinking at the time, I wonder how many goals this goat's going to score for us. And of course, a lot of the time, these are the obscure ones, never scored many more goals for us. I mean, one of the, it's not so much an obscure goal because it's quite a famous one, um, because of how. What a nonsense goal it was! But Jason Cundy, an obscure Tottenham Premier League Ugh. goal scorer for yeah, that goal against Ipswich. Um, okay. My my can colleague I think w- of
0: Jason? I can't. I cannot give Jason Cundy any time as a Tottenham Hotspur player, even though he did score that goal. I can't do it. I mean, just philosophically <laughs> speaking, I, I understand it's a statistic and we have to accept it. But philosophically, I, 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 I will I will always reject that. But anyway,
1: no, that's just I'm, me. I'm with you on that on that one. Kevin Scott scored one goal for Spurs. Kevin Scott, pretty, ob-sc- the, pretty obscure. The mighty Kevin Scott. Really? I, yeah, I
0: remember Kevin Scott there in the yeah. dark days. Yeah, I remember.
1: Yeah. So, any more that spring to mind, or any sort of floating around any of your heads, Jay? J? Me, no.
0: You're the you're <laughs> you're the obscure expert. You've done you, you've done us proud there. I mean, I'm seeing Stephen Kelly and Clive Wilson. I think Clive Wilson in there, and uh, and but Gene, I, I, no, I am. Who's I, the bloke?
2: I, Who's the bloke who got two goals? Is it De or something, was it? Oh, Dean D- th- Yeah, he D- scored think, twice. D- that's yeah. not obscure. But
0: I think no. De just outside the bottom three of obscure players, right? Because there was a oh,
2: moment God. where everyone thought he was going to be the guy. He was, yeah. That guy, was... basically. And then we thought, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I suppose you're right. Yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> yes, he's obscure, yeah. Well, Jose, Jose, Jose must have got a goal, did he? Oh, who? Dominguez? Jose Dominguez got a goal, Oh,
0: Dominguez. Dominguez was relatively international class at that moment. He had a solo, didn't he? What? He's <laughs> accents? <laughs> oh, yeah. oh,
1: oh, Jose dear. Dominguez. He plays on the wingers. Oh, is <laughs> that what it was? Oh, yeah, dear. How inventive!
2: Oh, yeah. oh dear, that, that we're moaning about all... arse- moaning about Arsenal songs. Oh, oh, oh that's awful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, anyway, so so Ryan Sessegnon, the 158th uh, goal scorer for us in the Premier League, and I um, think we're all in agreement. He's certainly not going to be as obscure as some of the names that Gareth has just helped us remember. I think he's uh, he looks odds on uh, injuries notwithstanding to uh, to really push on and have a tremendous uh, season with us and hopefully career.
2: I mean, I really wanted to give him man of the match, but it's hard with decky in the running. You know what I mean? So it's hard with but... Deke
0: in the running. And I mean, there were so many good performances yesterday. It has to be said, and I'm going to call one out now. And I want your views on. on this because he is a player who uh, consistently splits our fan base. I think many of whom still refuse to accept that he is an, a, a really good right back uh, who has is learning the right wing back trade but i thought emerson royale had a really really good game yesterday uh he was one of two people responsible i suppose for the concession of uh, the brighton goal he did go uh, uh Southampton goal sorry um he did go to ground maybe a little quicker than you would have expected but i would also say that pierre amir should have been tighter to james warprouse given where you know you don't let warprouse dilly dally on the edge of the box but Other than that, I think Royale did really well. And if you look at the highlights, he was actually involved in several of our most uh, uh, speedy, (laughs) not pretty good English, but some of our fastest transitions. He was the man carrying the ball and he was the man who actually found the the pass and so on and so forth. I thought he had a, a, a really good game, you know, and he caused an own goal. Chaps? You want yeah. to back me up on this, or am I? Yeah, am I looking at it with rose-tinted, or uh, shall we say, navy-blue-tinted glasses?
1: No, I, I I totally agree. The criticism of him historically has been that he's not as good going forward as he is defensively, and that he's more of a natural right back. But I'm actually, you've as you've said there. The only criticism anyone can find of him yesterday was actually his role in Southampton's goal where he went to ground too early. But actually going forward, he was fantastic. So he got two assists for the yeah. one for the own goal, uh, which I don't think actually gets registered as an assist as far as the Premier League concerns, which is bonkers. But he did start that move in on the edge of his own penalty area, played the ball forward, yes. won it back and then charged forward and then... Hmm. Found himself in a sort of a reasonably unorthodox position on the edge of the six yard box on the left hand side. And then he also set up Decky's goal as well. So I thought he was brilliant yesterday.
2: Great. I I think it was um this is not derogatory, this is because he has been playing well in the in comparison to other games at the end of last season when he was starting to play well, I think this was a pretty similar performance. Um I don't blame him much for the goal. At the end of the day, you can be faced up by quite a tricky person on the wing, and that person can do a little trick and they only need and if they get a half a yard or a yard ahead of you, it's natural for a defender to think they've got that half a yard, what they're gonna do is Flick the crossover and you will then try and recover by sliding in. That's just normal football, basically. You're not yeah. really done anything wrong. So he was unlucky in that sense. You'll find plenty of tricky wingers in this league. Um, yeah, I agree. But, but all the other stuff he does is. He's great. I mean, he really does. He finds space well, and he also attacks areas of the box well. And I think that the one and now to his forward play is good, but the one thing he's still not that great at is when he receives it in quite a bit of space to be asked to cross it, he just still seems a bit clunky and a bit slow. That's all it's narrowed down to as a negative in my eyes now. The rest of the stuff, when it's defensively, his energy, his commitment, is his first class, and he plays with a smile on his face uh, as long as, people don't go and he's back in the stands because he does seem that he might be first on the list for people to have a little moan about if something goes wrong. Yeah, but um, I think is he's, he's awful and it's just ridiculous
0: mm. and fans do pick these targets, don't they? And I just think sometimes, you you, you know, you've got to check yourself and understand, mm. uh, you know, you've got to take a check of yourself and understand that, mm. you know, what you might have once seen in a player is no longer the way it is and he has kicked on and as you said, Ricky, so it's a continuation of his form from uh, to the back end of last season and, and he continues to grow and develop, and it's one of the reasons why I was very confident we would not sell him because I think Conti does value him greatly as an option. And uh, and I, I was I was delighted to see his performance yesterday. And I, I as you said, I hope that the fans recognised it.
2: I mean, and also I've been thinking of like the right wing back or the the wing backs as pairs. And I think you could quite see clearly see yesterday that when Perisic, I think Perisic and Cesc can be quite different in the sense of Cesc seems like he could be a more in on goal kind of wing back, i.e. you're going to play him in on goal. And Perisic looked a lot more as though I'm going to do a little trick and I'm just going to keep flinging in really amazing crosses. And you never know, that might pair up better if... Um, if Royal was on the other side, because he's quite good at arriving in the box there. He's, he's good at finding yeah. that space and just come like steaming in. I mean, I think he had a little bit of a bicycle kick, a bicycle kick at the end on one of them. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, and he, and he so, actually
0: got a header in as well that went that dipped just over the bar uh, coming in on that post, that, that far post. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So that, that might, you know, that might, that might work well in that thing. I think a lot of people are going to maybe feed off Perisic crosses. I think that's going to be a bit of a, yeah. you know,
1: I, th- I think it's interesting you say that and probably the more natural, right wing back to play with Perisic for that exact reason would be Doherty because I think that's where he really does excel and that's probably where he is stronger than than Royale. I think he's more natural getting into those back post positions and scoring goals.
0: And in fairness I think that you know uh, Conti's pretty much all said that you know once Doherty gets up to full speed I think he's going to get the nod in in, you know in, in the majority of games albeit again we don't know I mean there's a lot of football and there's you know Two, at least two solid players for every position. So we so we really don't know. And um, that being said, competition for places. Uh, Bentoncore and Hoybier, I felt put down a real marker yesterday, saying not on my land to the likes of Eves, Basuma, and 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 Oliver Skip when he's fit. I thought that they were ravenous. Was the word that sprang to mind for the ball? They were so so hungry and just. Even uh, when he got a little bit scrappy in places, uh, they they just refused to give up anything, and uh, and they were just sensational. I thought yesterday, uh, particularly Bentancor, who just he just does have that insouciance about him, that sort of Berber touch in a way, the way he's, he's silky, but he's also tough. Chaps, what did you think of the, t- the pair of them?
1: I thought their performance. Um was a good representation of how the team did. I think maybe for the first 10 or 15 minutes, they were a little bit rusty, probably misplaced a couple of passes or perhaps weren't in the right position to receive the ball. Um, But as soon as they got into their rhythm, again, they continued that uh, partnership that they'd formed at the end of last season. And it was quite metronomic really in the end they they were always available they were always where they needed to be they moved the ball on quickly when it needed to be moved on quickly they were involved in little triangles of, of play where we were able to transition the ball out of the defensive third into midfield fairly quickly. You saw that run for the for the third goal that was was, was the own goal that was um, you know Hoiberg charging forward as well. He was the furthest man forward at one point in that attack, and I think it was him that played the ball onto you know onto Sunny. So they also know, as everybody in the team does, probably apart from Kane and Larice now, that there is a very able deputy in the wings on the bench who will come in and take their shirt at the moment, and um, they played like players who who want to keep those positions in the team at the moment and they formed a good relationship last year and I think they'll continue to be our first choice central midfielders for the foreseeable
2: yeah um there was a couple of little in-game I like always like a little in-game observation do you know when it makes you chuckle at the game so and there was I. one I like with, I, on. both of these had one of these and one was um I think after 10 minutes Bentacore done a sliced pass that you'll never ever see the like of before did you see that Gareth when he just I don't know why he did it he didn't mean to do it but it was no one around him and he just absolutely sliced it and it still kind of spanned all the way around and went to Kane I think and then the other thing was Hoiberg down in the corner in the in the southwest corner there he kind of fell over a bit fell over and do you know when he knows that a player near the touchline is going to try and advance and he just laid himself out like prone <laughs> in a big long line on the floor and I was like and that's so that's so Hoiberg, that is. That's such um such a kind of thing you'd do, like the last kind of line of defense. I'll oh, just make my body as long and as big as possible. It was so funny. But, yeah, their understanding, their telepathy, which has come from I don't know where, but they seem to know what each other's doing and when to go, when not to go. And then, I mean, obviously, uh, Pierre's a real busybody, isn't he? He's like, he's kind of, he wants to get involved all the time in the whole game. But I'm not really, it's another thing I don't really want to get I don't really, I don't really get involved with the chat. There's loads of chat all the time about well, Basuma's got to play. What, who's the pairing? Who are you going to choose now? And I just think it's, no, I think no. touching like Gareth I mean, at the end of the day, our, our first eleven is probably our first seventeen, eighteen. It doesn't really, yeah, you, you don't players will players will play if they've kept the shirt if there's injuries or suspensions or if they're knackered or something and they'll be in game rotation and they'll be game to game rotation and i'm just looking at it like that now i'm not really too because and that's a nice thing to look at to think that well if the plays great yeah. if skip well, plays great i'm just not really that it, you know it's, it's incumbent it.
0: it's incumbent on on uh on Bissouma to force the issue, not exactly. to be handed the shirt. And and the other thing mm. I think that support, some sports still have a hard time wrapping their heads around is, like it or not, pierre Emile Hoybier is, when fit, one of the first names on Antonio Conti's team sheet. I think even ahead of Bentoncourt. And, uh, and I love Bentoncourt yeah. as a player. I'm not saying it's a judgment. But, you know, and look, I thought, Pierre made a mistake yesterday. Uh, I thought that the way he uh, judged his uh, coverage of War prowse for the goal was off. I mean, you know, it's not about missing the header. It's about being tighter to the man for me and being aware of where he is. But regardless, he gives you so much in terms of, as you say, that busybody energy and just that drive. And, and, you know, and he is a decent footballer as well. So I agree with you. You know, he's, he's not... Going to get a free pass into this midfield, and 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 I think fans need to, to need to really understand it.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think well, um, he, he can't he can't pass it as well as Bentegord, but he can pass it as well as him when he's given time because we've seen plenty of lofted little passes. Oh, he does and the P H Dinker. All, the PAH dinker. Yeah, and I always that. remember the one at Old Trafford as well, where he hit that really nice flat oh. ball to Aurier, just like mm. you know, if if that was Gerald or something, we'd never hear the last of it kind <laughs> of thing. But yeah, yeah, so he has got that in his locker, so he you know.
1: I think there will be occasions and I'm not clever enough to anticipate when there'll be when we probably want our midfield to be a little bit more dynamic um, and that would be the occasion that you'd want Basuma in there but at the moment Hoiberg yeah. th- I yeah. and is are for our number one but, and two
0: But I think as well and this is one of the things that uh, a lot of supporters also are like yeah well we didn't start any of our new signings and I think you know Ricky you've already partially covered it as well but I'll just re-emphasise the point a little later here uh, well right now in the pod you know these players are learning what it is to be in an Antonio Conte Tottenham Hotspur squad. And it is a very different proposition, I think, than most clubs in the league. It takes time. I would say that Bissouma, as fit as he is, as good as he is, has probably come to our club and has been like, crikey, this is like another couple of levels up on all across the the, the way. It's going to take a little while. And that's why the Jed Spence stuff is the same. It's going it's, it's, it's to take him, I think, longer. Because these players have to learn the system.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think what another piece of advice for supporters, if they want to take it, is don't judge. Don't judge the new recruits on the levels of Bentacor and Kulu. Because I think that in... When we look back in history, that would have been yeah. another outlier where two it's players turned up in January. That is just absolutely unbelievable. I think we need, so to, we need think- to do
0: a we need to do a pod on that one day when there's if there's ever a slow uh, a slow week in in this season's calendar, I, I think we'd be w- well advised to do a pod on that and digging into it because I agree it's just it beggars belief and it's I don't know I don't, if
2: it's I don't know if it's good judgment thing. or we've got really super yeah. lucky or whatever, but you know with Perisic and with Richarlison all of them, we just need to think that they might take a bit of normal all kind of levels of time to get kind yeah. of up to speed. Yeah, by but, the uh, way, you mentioned
0: Richarlison. Crikey. Can you imagine if he'd have got on the pitch yesterday with like 15 minutes to go? Oh, I think we yeah. might have seen at least another one or two goals. And, and speaking of goals, as we must, when you've scored four of them and beaten the team 4-1 your opening sure. game of the season... I think what nobody would have imagined is that of those four goals, not one of them <laughs> was scored by, uh, by Harold Kane and uh, Sun Young min uh, I thought both played really quite well, despite not perhaps being uh, the A-plus sharpness that we've come to expect from them. There was one particular moment in the second half where, you Know it was the Kane Sun show, and you really just expected Sonny to 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 larp it into the far right hand corner in front of the park lane, and he sort of scuffed it. But I thought their movement and and their work, uh, really caused a tremendous amount of uh of problems for Southampton and ended up opening up the space for the likes of Decky to really flourish and to really shine. So, how was it, uh, you know, how was it in the stadium?
1: Yeah, Kane. Found himself in little pockets of space that Southampton had no idea how he'd got there, so he'd, he'd drop in short and just link up play really nicely. I can't think of any situations where any where he had any really good opportunities himself to score. But Sonny, you're right; had
2: should have scored from the halfway line. I thought that was that was yeah, on big time. Yeah. That was on big time. He, he slipped over, didn't he? But yeah, yeah no, go on, he did. Sorry, mate. Yeah,
1: yeah, um, but we've seen this where we've scored. Was it Newcastle? We beat five one, and Kane wasn't on the score sheet that That's that right. afternoon. Yeah. So I think we're seeing ourselves. This is very much. This is the, almost the antipathy of the Harry Kane team. Now, this is a team of which has multiple routes to goal of which Kane is a very good one but he's not the only one and you know actually what we're finding as well that even Sonny can be off form and we've got other players now with an eye for goal as well plus you've mentioned Richarlison wasn't available yesterday Perisic only played for what 20 minutes these are both players who have scored big goals in the past as well
0: I mean we say this about Sonny I mean mean, Sonny's Sonny's delivery for Eric Dyer's uh, magnificent goal I may point out I mean the Mm. second it left his boot the millisecond i shouted it's in now i didn't know how it was going to go in but the ball was so delicious that it was mm. going in someone's going to flick that or head it as it was eric dyer contrived to make it uh look even more beautiful than than it maybe needed to be what a header what a header uh, made your day didn't it Steph? oh the great eric dyer the great <laughs> eric dyer yeah absolutely but right. i mean so i mean even when sonny's supposedly been quiet he's causing problems assists mm. Great crosses, I mean really, just uh, I, I thought the pair of them just caused so many issues just by being there, which is I suppose not a huge shock, but we're now we now have players. Around them, who can exploit those spaces, uh, and, and, and that's that. That was another shining, uh, shining beam from yesterday's game. Was how many people were getting forward. You even have, and this is something that I know uh, Milo's discussed, uh, brought up in the pod. You know, you've got our centre backs that are really pushing up a lot more. Um, ironically, the person who was closest to Eric Dyer when he scored was Ben Davis, if I remember correctly. Mm. Uh, right there, you had uh, Christian Romero um, uh, pushing up, and you know th- pushing up into these pockets of space. That are there, they're super aggressively. So, so great work by by both of them, regardless of not getting on the score sheet. I thought. Let me ask you a little bit about Christian Romero for a moment, if I may. I thought again a magnificent performance that nearly, nearly went south due to a flash. Of really unnecessary um, uh, play by him I mean there's number one uh, I'm not a fan of the scissor challenge Um, Milo was saying in the notes that he felt it was very similar to what Matty Cash did uh, to Doherty at Aston Villa I actually uh, agree with that and think it was worse and I thought we're very very lucky to escape Um, I thought that could have been there's arguments that, that could have been a red for the intent. I know he won the ball, but you know, is this a is this something to be concerned about that he still sees that 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 sort of that mist that red mist? I mean, we're four one up at the point.
2: I I I thought it was it was definitely something to be concerned about, and and you weren't alone because in the stadium we was I think we just we just scored the fourth goal. It wasn't long, and we was in a really we was in a really buoyant mood, and I think we was doing the atmosphere was great, and I think we was in a big rendition of Antonio Antonio like that, and when he went in for that tackle, there was almost like a (gasps) like that, and it really killed the atmosphere because Mm. that the whole south stand just all of a sudden went a lot quieter because we thought exactly probably what you thought that that's a tackle that can be a red card. And when you're 4-1 up, you don't need him getting a three-game week a, a 3 game ban. And right. I'm hoping... It's just, I don't know whether he was exuberant and just fluing because he was just riding the wave as well, but um, we don't need that. And I'm not sure whether... I mean, it's hard to say whether Conte would just sort of, you know, give him the... Pull him over and just say, "Look, we we don't need that because I don't need you out of my team." Kind
1: He's of
0: made thing. mention. He has made mention. He made mention last week, actually, of the fact that he thinks Romero, uh, and I'll paraphrase, probably quite badly, uh, but mm. basically needs to call it at certain points and understand when and 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 when to do that and when not. I mean, Especially for certain... one up.
2: Especially well, for one up. I mean, it's just, it's just the just, thing. You know? I mean,
0: yeah. I mean, Gareth. I mean, I'll ask you this question. Um, you know, if it was like ten minutes to go against Chelsea and the game is on the line and you need to make a statement i mean would you would you sort of uh, understand uh, maybe not quite as ferocious a challenge but a challenge of that magnitude at that point I mean, is, is there any scope in which Christian Romero can get away with that challenge or does he really need to to just stop it?
1: No, well, yeah, he was lucky he got away with it we'd had three players cautioned during the game yesterday for, I think they're all yellow card challenges, but they weren't as ferocious as, as that. And Andre Mariner's referee would have been perfectly entitled to have shown, as he said, definitely a yellow card for that one. Um, yeah, it's... As you said, it's just unnecessary. There was was nothing to gain from that situation. Um, The way that he was going to make that challenge, he was always, always going to commit. I found this is one of my real frustrations as a referee is when a player comes in and makes that sort of challenge and they get the ball and then they come up and their defence is, yeah, but ref, I got the ball, which is what he got up straight away and said... just not the law of the game at all it doesn't matter whether you got the mm. ball you also took the bloke out as well the only thing I, I, I can't remember who we found he wasn't Brazilian was he because we know that he does have particular uh-huh. red mist when he comes up um, against a Brazilian um, I don't think it was I don't think Southampton had any yesterday um, yeah. but no he was you he, know he, he was he, he, he was very fortunate and in you know in a season where it's there are going to be situations where we're going to need him to take yellow cards um, and we know that he will get them as well and he's a very important part of the team and if he gets up to those five yellow cards before whatever the cut-off point is we're going to be without him for for a game
0: and these will be the details. And again, look, not to take anything away from what was a, a wonderful opening day and, 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 a wonderful victory, but we all know that these are the details that Antonio Conte and his, and his back backroom staff will be looking at, because as you quite rightly said, Gareth, you know, we, we need him, we need him on the pitch and this is a season. It feels like teams are really like never before going to be picking on these tiny details. And they will, they will pick on him for that and they will wind him up. So let's hope that he can, uh, I don't want him to, you know, I don't want him to rein in his 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 attitude. But let's hope he's a little more mature and measured about, you know, deploying what I would call the sort of the you know the death the yeah. death scissor, if you will. <laughs> you know, look,
2: I'm looking looking forward to him and Mitrovic. That would be a good clash, I reckon. Oh my word! Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, well. I suppose we should. Uh, well, we should ask what we thought of Southampton and Ralph Hassan Sutul's uh, uh, <laughs> outfit, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm glad you spotted that. I want but yeah, I mean, they came, they went. They weren't very good, were they?
1: I've, for me, Southampton are maybe the flakiest team in the Premier League. They've pulled out some f- incredible results against some really, really top teams. I suppose we'll probably include us in that. They beat us, didn't they, back in back in February. But they've also got points against Liverpool and, and Man City. And that we we, sh- we shouldn't forget the fact that they beat Arsenal in the run in last year as well. Um, but conversely, they've been on an absolutely horrendous run of results from at the back end of last year he was my tip to be the first manager to leave in the summer actually i, I thought that he would go i thought maybe he's he's done as much as he can do there um i think you know, so as I said, they are a flaky team they will pick up some strange results and some positive results along the way so i think they'll probably be okay this year but i don't think they're a very good side this year um and um, yeah, not much, we will come up against much tougher opponents than Southampton this year. Which perhaps yes. is the only caveat I I would give to how good I think we were yesterday.
2: Yeah, I think um, yeah, that's probably right. I think they'll blow hot and cold a bit, like they did last year. I don't think um I think Broja's gone back to Chelsea, isn't he? Yeah, and they haven't really. And he would like led the line well for them last year. Um, and I don't think they've done that much business in the transfer market. No one of any kind of massive note, or whether they picked up some. I think some people have... I think someone came from Bordeaux, from France for them and that But You know, it's hard to say whether these are going to be great players for them. So he's kind of playing with a similar cards to what he had last year, really. So... And he always seems quite upbeat, but it's just... He's it's very, it's very bizarre, their results, how they like... They just, you know, have these kind of amazing results and then all of a sudden... You know, because when we played them, I mean, even when we played them at home and then we played them away... When we played them away last year, they were much better than us in the first half. It was only when our old... um own girlfriend on Saturday got sent off last year at St Mary's that we took control of the game but um so yeah I don't know I can't make them out but whether they got enough to stay up a bit of a coin toss I think
0: I mean I, and again I have to revisit something I was sort of a little bit obsessed with maybe at the, the top of the pod I mean what on earth was Ralph Hass- Hassan-Soudal doing with that gap have you ever seen a manager dressed I- like that
2: I'm not. He's he's not had that on before, is he? Because I don't think he did. I was because I, was I wasn't really noticing it at first. But when you eye caught it, you then couldn't sort of take your eyes off it for a couple of minutes. What but he that, also
0: he that? had the sockless trainer thing going yeah. as well. well it was I that going on,
1: on. on as well? Yeah, that, it was.
0: Yeah. I mean, have we have we ever seen a manager? Uh, as a dress like that on our sideline in the in the premier i can't think of any
1: no No, i I just wonder whether it was a suited worn bought and worn at a wedding many years ago and he found it in the back of the cub and thought look this cost me 400 quid i better wear it at least twice (laughs) to get some use out of it and i'll take it to Tottenham with me on saturday Yeah, I was
0: trying to figure out why on earth you would... I mean, it was just unbelievable. Meanwhile, of course, I would like to note for those of you who are fashion conscious like we are on The Game Is About Glory that Antonio chose a very smart and subtle polo shirt with a pair of slacks, both of which match colour, and he was wearing socks. Uh, What more could you ask uh, from from a 4-1 victory than a manager that also outdresses the opposition manager as well as the team outscoring and pounding the other team we're back with closing thoughts one positive and one negative in come on it's less than 30 seconds for each of you right three two one gareth
1: that's three points we picked up that we didn't pick up in the corresponding fixture last season so we're off to to a really good start it puts us on the i think we need to win 25 games this year um to guarantee third place and i think that's that's one result done the only negative for me is that we picked up three yellow cards one of, so Sessignon, Benton, Coeur, and Bisuma and one of those may become crucial if one of them picks up a suspension slightly later down the line.
2: Ricky? Um, well, it's the, I think a 4-1 is a pretty perfect result, I think, don't you? It's like, um, well, we came back from a goal down, that's a positive, and 4-1, it's sort of like, it's a convincing result, but it's a fashion, but it's not really a fashion, is it? So the good thing that is, it kind of rains in the old hype train starting up too much. If it's 6-1 or something, then all of a sudden, so... I'm I'm kinda of well pleased with that. That's a great start to the season. A negative would probably be um that Romero challenge because there's not many negatives. I also thought it's a bit harsh on um <laughs> it's a bit harsh on Decky planning down that right hand side with a man of his complexion. I thought he should have started out on the left with the in the shade of the <laughs> West End, to be honest. <laughs> Player, you've got to think of player welfare haven't you i like that, but, I, um, like that. I like that that's no. a detail that doubtless
0: antonio will be working on in the week exactly right? it's all it's all fine margin stuff you've got to he'll like get in
2: there like you know he'll be but, getting um,
0: sun charts won't he yeah
2: yeah no definitely the romero challenge because a three-game ban there would be a real you know a real whatever you call it at the end of the game a real downer let's call it that Yeah,
0: My overall positive uh, remains the sheer uh, physical physical and athletic domination of the game. I was so, so excited by that. The portent of our season uh, in that regard is just super exciting because I think we're going Mm -hmm. to need it. We saw it last season where he got us to a place where we were really, you know, able to win games in the last 20 minutes because of his sort of, you know, fitness regimen. And we're just seeing the fruits of that even further down the line. Um, it's going to be so important and it's so nice to see. And I will stick with my negative, which was the concession of the goal, because it was another one of those details that we really need to work out. We, I mean, we, we got away with it yesterday quite comfortably, but we really can't afford to let that sort of goal in uh, too many more times uh, this season. I think teams have to work a little harder to score against us than James ward did yesterday but it's not much of a complaint Four one Saturday kickoff lads it's been a lot of fun to look back over it thank you very much just Steph. thank you and we will be back next week to discuss the bridge fest and see if we did indeed manage to stop that particular rot which i uh i, I believe we will so there we go my optimistic head on the block as well as all of the latest Spurs gossip and rumors subscribe leave a review tell your friends give us a follow on twitter and wear sunscreen how nice that we give that uh psa right very good
2: after this week yeah and
0: especially if you're decky wear double sunscreen yeah yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> as you pointed out anyway <laughs> thank you very much for joining us as always and we'll be back next week when milo will re- return from forest bathing to erase all the squeaks bumps ums and errs that he didn't because he told us this is going to go out live well kind of live it'll feel live so all we mistakes anyway so that's right all mistakes <laughs> you're hearing will be gone next week when milo's back well there have been no mistakes really have there i think we've done quite a clean pod i think we've really yeah. I think it's been, it's been as smooth as the 4-1 hammering of southampton don't you think chaps
1: absolutely <laughs> yeah and at one hour two minutes and 22 seconds that's almost it's bang on the money as well
0: it is bang on the money and with that i'm going to press stop record and see you all next week bye bye